Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. I recently had a chance to talk with Amy Alton on sailing yacht Starry Horizons, which is a 44-foot Fountain Peugeot catamaran. She and her husband David have been cruising now for almost five years. They have a blog and a YouTube channel called Out Chasing Stars with a lot of really great information. I asked her to join my podcast and share with us what her transition was like and what it's like now. Uh, maybe we can start you just introducing yourself and sharing where you are right now. I think you're in Madagascar. Uh, yep, my name is Amy. I have been for the last five years living on board my Fontaine Pajot Helia 44 named Starry Horizons. And I'm currently in Madagascar in a bay called Crater Bay, which is just outside of Hellville, um, the main capital of Nosy B area. And I've been here for, I think about, or I've been in Madagascar for about two weeks, I think. Awesome. So what's the view like right now? It's actually really cool. I have on one side a whole bunch of cruising boats. Madagascar is a bit of a bottleneck for the Indian Ocean passages. So this is more boats than I've seen since Thailand, I think. Oh, wow. And then on the, yeah. And then on the other side, I have traditional Malagasy sailing boats. So they're small little crafts, uh, canoe style with outriggers, and they've got a variety of sail shapes and sail colors. And I've actually used the word prehistoric to describe them because they are like ancestral looking boats. Um, It's really amazing to see this kind of Uh, living history that we have here in the sailing traditions of the Malagasy people. That's really cool. What I wanted to do to kind of jump right in is maybe you can describe the transition a bit. You know, how did, how did you guys get started? You know, how long did it take you to make the transition from when you made the decision to actually go? And was it a really immediate plan or did it take you longer for other reasons, jobs and whatnot? From the start that we said, okay, this is something we are actually going to do to when we left to go cruising was probably about two years Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of actually starting to make major life changes and getting ready, getting the process going. But we knew for probably about five years prior to moving on board that this was something that we were interested in doing. Um, And we did have a business and we had our lives set up just like you're experiencing. And we had to go through that process of transitioning. Wow. So you had a five-year, kind of a five-year vision, but then it ended up being something that once you decided it was about two years. Yeah. What were your biggest fears or concerns in the beginning? And how did these change over time, like leading up to getting on the boat? I think that the biggest issues we had were focused around the transition because it's such a challenging time in your life um, to go through all this process of getting rid of your things and saying goodbye to your friends and family. Um, And that was 
that was a big concern and into how everything would play out. I also had a business and had to sell the business. That was a big concern and a huge process. Uh, And, you know, some of it turned out well and some of it didn't. And it was, it was a challenge for sure. But then there's also the fears in regard to what your life is going to be like. And um, I, I was probably a bit busy to worry about things so much. And as with most cruising couples, this was my husband's idea. Although we were both sailors and captains, it was his idea to take this jump. So I was a little bit less worried about the actual lifestyle issues coming up. We did a few things to alleviate concerns. For example, we took a course on offshore emergency medicine, and that was kind of a big thing. And we did have quite a bit of sailing experience compared to other couples that we've seen out here. So that was that was a little bit easier to look at in the future and say, okay, well, you know, can we actually do this? But the transition, that was that was the big challenge. Yeah. So when he brought this idea up, were you like, wow, no way? Or were you like, game on, let's do it? What, what happened? Uh, I was like, game on, let's do it, basically. Yeah, cool. It, yeah, when, uh, when David first brought the idea up, it was actually back in 2009. And he had just gone sailing with my dad and I. And it was kind of David's first sail as an adult. And he was like, oh, this is really neat. And then he turned to the internet and we, <laughs> he, yeah, yes, always do. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, he started to look at blogs and uh, try to understand more about the cruising or the sailing life, I should say. But then he stumbled upon people like the bum puzzles and the honeymoon and was like, hey, you know, people, people do this thing where they quit their jobs and go sail around the world. This was actually before the more modern version of the sailing vlog. So yeah. Honeymoon made videos back in the day, but Delos wasn't, uh, Delos was in like its infancy and La Vagabond. Actually, I don't even think Delos was around at the very beginning of this. And La Vagabond certainly wasn't producing videos either. So there was not like this surgence that we have now of YouTube channels. So mm-hmm. it was, it was very much lots of reading and lots of um, trying to get a feel for it in a non-visual sense. More yeah. so. So you were one of the original, the original wave, I think, of of the modern cruising sailors. That's really cool. La Vagabond actually started their channel the same week that we did, which is oh, funny. kind of insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know. In, in this transition, when you guys were buying the boat and, um, you know, I'm, I'm right in the thick of it, you know, with my husband and I mm-hmm. making all these decisions and, you know, we have a similar boat. Did you and David see eye to eye on everything? Like not just about the boat, but the boat brings up all these other decisions you have to make. Right. So did you, did you kind of see the world the same way and see the transition the same way or did it create new kinds of conflict? And how did you deal with that? We both had such different roles in the beginning as we were transitioning. I had my business still and was working to sell the business. David had actually, I think about two years before we left, David had quit his job in the finance industry and 
started his own small business online, but also came to work for me. And he had more of a free time available to work on the transition process. Mm -hmm. And that created conflict in that uh, he was doing the research. He was very involved in the purchasing process and planning of the commissioning. And I was uh, being consulted, let's say, on things (laughs) that I didn't really know very much about. And, you know, it was tough for me because I was doing other things in a business where I knew everything because I grew up with this business. And all of a sudden, I didn't have the expertise that David did. And he was the one doing all this research and then coming to me and saying, hey, here are these two options. Like, what do you think? And I had to be like, I have no flipping clue because, you know, and you've no done context. all this math. Right. Yeah, no context. And I, I appreciated him trying to involve me, but it was really hard. And there were setbacks where, uh, you know, I made a point or something and made a suggestion. And But he knew better. And it, it went the other way. So we had to have kind of a discussion like, you know, are you just trying to discuss and kind of talk at me and let me hear what you're saying? And then, you know, you're working through your process verbally or is this you actually need my input and, you know, I have something, this is something that really is going to make a difference for me. Um, so that was, that was a challenge and a source of conflict for a long time. There was also issues with money, just in that um, David and I do have slightly different risk tolerances with money. And over time, this has changed a lot because you have such a such a dependence on understanding your finances when you're not getting a lot of money coming in. Right. Um, but in the beginning, it was, it was very hard for me to um, deal with committing so much money to certain things. And you know, we had a few instances where there was a straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, I am so sick of spending money and you're asking to spend, you know, less than a hundred dollars on something and it's driving me crazy. And I, this is the line in the sand for me. But we yeah. were able to work past that and um, get the things accomplished that we needed to. So, And we're still married, so that's good. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's always a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your parents and your close friends react when you told them you were going to take this adventure on? I mean, you, you have a background in, in sailing, I think. So you're, was it your father who was a sailor? And um, uh, Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it was my grandfather was in boats, my dad was in boats, and my dad did start sailing when I was in college, and then my uncle has always been in sailing too. My dad passed away in, about ten years ago, actually. Oh, okay. So uh, he he wasn't around to be supportive, but I know that he would be like thrilled that we're doing this. Oh, that's so. Great. Um, yeah. As far as the rest of our family went, everybody was very supportive. Uh, my parents, you know, let us live with them uh, in our transition process for a little while. And David's parents actually adopted our puppy dogs. And so they live with them. But, you know, everyone had fears and concerns, but they were really on board with this idea that we were going to go do amazing things. 
Yeah, because it's a change process for them too, right? They have to go yes, through their exactly. own. Yeah. So you just had to answer a lot of questions. Is that how it went? Or they just sort of uh, watched you do your thing and started feeling better over time? They, they kind of watched us do our thing. And we kept an open channel of communication with our parents and talked about how things were going to play out. And uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned a little bit about finances. Um, some people, like me, I obsess about financial insecurity. It's just one of my things that I do. Um, so I really needed to map things out and feel comfortable and even kind of think through what happens after we sail for 10 years or however long and want to come back, like what, what happens then? And other people sort of make a decision to do something and, and, and just go with the flow. So what was your approach when you were kind of planning financially for that? And how did you, how did you think through that? When we started our financial planning, it was initially very basic. And I wish that I had understood a bit more about finances in general going into it. I had a spreadsheet that was like, we have X amount of money and at the end of five years cruising, we want X amount of money left and we're going to spend X amount this year, every year. And how likely is that to work? You know, do we have excess money left over? And the numbers played out, but there were a lot of things that were missing and it does make the, the planning more complicated but since we left, I took the opportunity to learn a lot more about financial planning processes and investing. Uh, David and I both are, well, m me more than David, but I'm involved in the FIRE community, which is Financial Independence Retire Early. I've learned a lot more about how to properly invest for these kinds of adventures. And I also follow a lot of people who do these kinds of adventures. They save their money and then they learn how to live off of their investments uh, using something called the 4% rule. Then I was able to see some examples and that was really helpful. Our spreadsheet has gotten a lot more complicated looking at our finances, but it's also a more solid picture for us. And that really helped me when we decided we wanted to add an additional year of cruising on. Mm -hmm. David does more investing now, and we both have a better understanding of where our portfolio sits and changes we might need to make as our time moves on. And that's, so basically we've got a more solid understanding of our finances since we took off. And the plan we had at the beginning was good. We knew it was going to work. It just, we have a lot more confidence in that plan now. Oh, that's so great. And you got to add a year. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about risk management. Risk tolerance is, is another aspect that some people aren't on the same page on. My husband and I don't share the same risk tolerance. So what did you do to, to prepare for that? And how, how do you guys make adjustments along the way? Because David was involved in the planning process a lot more than I was, he was the one to really map things out and stay involved. As far as handling our risk tolerance, I do think that, at least financially, I have a lower risk tolerance than David does. 
But as far as cruising goes, we're probably about the same level. We have had instances where, you know, we just keep an open communication with each other and we deal with issues as they come along. For example, when we were, recent, when we were sailing down to Madagascar or preparing to sail down to Madagascar from the Seychelles, we knew that the weather window could be really tough and it's a notoriously difficult part of the world to sail. But we talked it out and we had our plan and we understood that there were certain things that we were going to do to make the passage more comfortable for us. You know, we were going to accept a window with certain conditions or not. And David was the one that was going to make this decision. And then once you commit to it, you work together as a team to make it happen. And in the example of sailing from Seychelles to Madagascar, we ended up with good conditions, but we always have the idea in mind that we will make sacrifices for each other to get to where we need to be and to make this part of a good experience, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, and so if you think back, say, for the last six months before you were supposed to leave, what would you say were the most stressful things? Um, you talked about a couple, but you know, going into that last six months, what were the things that kept you up at night? Looking back at it, I remember it being such a busy time and almost surreal in how complicated and insane it was. <laughs> we, like you, we, like you, ordered a new boat, and ordering the boat was leaps and bounds harder than we thought it would be. Yeah, we for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we have never bought a used cruising boat before, so we don't have a comparison. But I imagine that if you buy a used boat, you can look at the systems that are on it and say, well, this system works, this system doesn't. This system works, but it's not quite exactly what we want. Whereas with buying a new boat, you are starting from a blank slate and you have to decide, do I want what the factory is offering or do I want something else? And then if so, how do I get that something else? And it was just an insane amount of work. David was putting a lot of time into it and we had some issues with our dealer at the time. Mm -hmm. It was just very, very hard and very stressful. Again, I mentioned earlier that my lack of involvement made it hard for me to help out with decision-making and had a hard time connecting, and that was really challenging. Saying goodbye to our friends and family, of course, was really hard, and then, as I mentioned earlier, giving our dogs to our in-laws was yeah. a huge emotional deal, um, so that's... That, that was what the six months were like. They were crazy. Um, and I was also, you know, making the decision. I was in the process of selling the business. And oh, wow. That's that was lot. hard as well. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, and that, that was pretty much something I was doing up until the last minute because I sold, sold the business, officially dotted the paperwork in August, and then we left in October, about mid-August and mid-October. So I had about two months of transitioning new owners and, and, you know, getting the hell out, basically. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot. If you were to give yourself advice, knowing what you know now, uh, go back in time and give yourself advice. What advice would you give and would you do it again? 
I do think we could have used a longer transition period. I know some cruisers who have purchased the new boats from Brompton Peugeot as well, and they spent a bit more time in between quitting their jobs or selling their business and moving on board the boat. And I do think that would have been a bit better for us. The timing just didn't work out that way, but that would be good to have more time. Also, I wish that we had picked up more French as far as learning a new language. And I wish I'd gotten started into photography sooner. I look back on our first couple years of cruising when I was just using a very crappy iPhone camera and just regret not having as many photos as mem- or memories as I do from the more recent years. And that is something that if I was doing it all over again, I would have tried harder on those things. Oh, yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, because you want to capture those moments. Um, exactly. It's amazing how much we forget yeah. in our memories. And then going back through photos or through writing a blog or watching videos, I am amazed. I, I, I might say to David, we did this thing in Tahiti? I don't remember that at all. And <laughs> <laughs> thank God we have the blog. So you talked a little bit about the chaos, kind of getting the boat. Um, in a nutshell, can you just describe what that first year shakedown was like? I mean, I'm learning so much about that now, and it's it's been really helpful just to reset my expectations. But maybe you can share your experience. We left France and basically did our own delivery to the United States. And then we spent about five months outfitting our boat. So we had some time... Um, as kind of like delivery, getting to uh, getting to know our boat, and then implementing all these systems that we'd been planning, and then we did our first year of cruising, and it was very fast. from From the time we left Florida to a year later, we were already in Tahiti, and that was after sailing up to. Maine and Canada for the summer and then back down cruising the Caribbean going through the Panama Canal crossing the Pacific like all this insanity it was very fast we covered a lot of miles and we had our one year kind of initiation into what cruising was like and we did find that there were a lot of things that we really enjoyed about cruising and a lot of things that we didn't And from the perspective of what we didn't, we continued to have a lot of the issues that I already talked about with Mm -hmm. me not having as much information available about the boat as David did. And then we were also picking up so many new skills. For example, when, (laughs) when we arrived in the Bahamas, I had to, uh, my cousin was flying in to visit us and I needed to go pick him up. And David was doing an important project with our water maker and I had never driven the dinghy before. And David was like, well, there's a time to learn and it's right now. So hop in the dinghy, here's a quick lesson and go pick up your cousin. And the whole year was full of things like that. Like we've never done this particular aspect of cruising before and let's figure it out. We also were learning the specific parts of our boat a lot and the way that we had set up the boat and how 
it needed to be tweaked more. We'd spent so much time outfitting the boat, but there's such a difference between putting what you think is helpful into into play versus like experimenting with a particular piece of equipment and realizing right. it doesn't work the way you do and you need I don't know a twenty dollar dinky part to get it to work the way you want it to. Right. Um, <laughs> but then. There's also the, well, getting that $20 part is not as easy as it used to be. So we are learning that aspect of the cruising life and how to source parts, how to provision, how to find the things that we need in these foreign countries. We also were were falling into the groove of having Starry Horizons be our whole lives and how much smaller ironically our lives were now that we were cruising Mm. uh everything almost everything in our life was on the boat and we were spending so much time on the boat with just the two of us and that was a huge transition period into understanding what cruising was going to be like and one of the major challenges with cruising is getting along with your partner in a limited space and in very stressful situations. We also were surprised to find that in the beginning, prior to moving on board, one of my concerns had been feeling bored or feeling unfulfilled with my life. To go from running a business that I'd known for so long and been Mm -hmm. so involved with to... I won't say an easier life, but a life where I had a lot less time constraints and a lot less importance in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a massive transition change, and it did take a lot of time. I won't even say we did it in the first year, but it did take a lot of time to come up with what our new life looked like and how I was spending my time. We're very fortunate that Star Horizons has been a amazing boat and not as much of our time is taken up with things like repair and maintenance as some of our friends with older cruising boats. Mm-hmm. So it took some time for us to settle into this groove and find out the things that we wanted to spend our time with. For example, David spends a massive amount of time working on our videos for our YouTube channel. Um, he also does his investing. And I spend a lot of time writing the blog or editing photos. I also help with the videos. I also read a ton. And then I got into the photography. And it was just finding finding the, the things that you want to do to keep yourself occupied was quite a transition. Mm-hmm. And then there's the great things that we learned, which was that we were loving exploring the world and having this dichotomy of seeing how big the world is and also how small the world is. And we got to enjoy meeting people all over the world and finding we had connections with these people that was such a surprise for us and also getting to explore the locals and the nature and the culture of all these places that we were visiting. So it was, uh, (laughs) the first year was really, really stunning to us. And Hmm. it was 
it, you know, that one year is still not enough to get fully into the groove of cruising, but it does start to show you whether you like it or not. And thankfully we liked it enough to keep rolling. Any other advice you want to share with any women who are taking this on with their husbands? Like what's your top advice? One of the things that has been interesting is to talk to the other cruisers out here and see what their cruising looks like. We do one type of cruising where David and I are quite equal partners and we've been doing this full time for five years, but there are so many other ways of cruising that you can find what works for you. For example, we have made a lot of friends who cruise seasonally. For example, that easily comes to mind. Um, we have friends who cruise the South Pacific Islands and every year for cyclone season, they go back to New Zealand, put their boat on the hard, fly back to their home in Canada and go ski for the winter. And then they do the same thing all over again. And that's a really interesting way to look at part-time cruising and giving yourself a break uh, more often and more regularly. And it has a lot of perks for that kind of a life. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of ways to cruise part-time or cruise full-time and make sure that you don't get bogged down in the challenges of cruising. And I think that's, that's really good options to consider. Another example would be that we have met several boats where the woman in the relationship flies in and out and crew is taken on. So that's one way to uh, negotiate with your partner about <laughs> what kind of experiences he wants to have cruising. It's, yeah. it's not our cup of tea, but it is a way to deal with the inequality in the desire for this aspect of life. Mm -hmm. um, another piece of advice would be to take advice with a grain of salt. And this is really ironic coming from me because we get asked for advice a lot and we give advice a lot. But over the five years that we've been sailing on Starry Horizons, we've learned that people's experiences and preferences can hinge on a singularity that can never be recreated. Mm -hmm. Someone may have an amazing experience at a particular place. And then they tell you, Oh, we love Madagascar. You can't miss it. It's just such a wonderful place. But it might be that they had a particular experience with a person or a particular encounter with nature in some aspect. And it made the experience so memorable for them right and it's it's great to have those those hopes in your mind but it's not something that you can guarantee that you can recreate you have to take an advice with a grain of salt and understand that your experiences are always going to differ from other people's experiences and your preferences are always going to differ from other people's preferences and you have to find the middle ground to avoid being disappointed or, you know, feeling a lack of accomplishment, I suppose. Yeah. That's been a little bit of the things I've been learning just as I'm going through this process is just really to manage my expectations. Um, mm -hmm. cause I think they're, I, I think they can be deadly <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I so much appreciate yeah. 
your time. I, I really appreciate you calling in and, and spending your time with me and sharing your story. And I've been really loving following you. And thank you for answering my questions too. Thank you for having me, Hope. I really appreciate it. Yep. And where can people find you? We have our YouTube channel, which is Out Chasing Stars. We also have our blog, outchasingstars.com. And we have a Facebook page and Instagram page. So you can follow us everywhere. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now.